Hey guys, it's Clay Reichenbach, and this is another episode of The Examined Athlete. Today, my guest is Nicole Zapoli. And I'll tell you what, this woman is a powerhouse, and not just in the physical sense. She is so incredibly brave, brave in the way I hope my daughters will be someday. She's a four-time junior Olympian. She's a state gymnastics champion. She's a two-time Fitness America champion, a weightlifting champion, a CrossFit champion, and the list just doesn't stop. What I love about this episode is it highlights that everyone's path is unique. And the way Nicole is so sure of her path, even when she hits adversity, is so incredibly inspiring to me. We get into burnout, we get into eating disorders, the power of people in positions of influence being vulnerable, chasing a dream as a single mom, body positivity, how fitness and pushing yourself can empower you well beyond the physical, and so much more. I think you'll find that Nicole really embraces herself. She's not afraid of being different. She's not afraid of being herself. And you know what? She's not afraid of being stronger than the boys, which you'll hear in the episode. In fact, all of this actually empowers her. It gives her confidence. It gives her strength. Guys, there is no normal. Your strength does not need to look like anyone else's. Be distinctive. Be unique. Be yourself. It's difficult. It's painful at times, but it's so worth it. And I think Nicole really embodies that. Ladies and gentlemen, the powerful, the brave, the honest, Nicole Zapoli. I'm glad to see you again. Thanks for joining me. Really excited to hear your story. And maybe we just start by diving into your profession. How do you describe what you do for a living? I have my own business doing personal training, remote coaching, uh, which is also with custom programming, one-on-one training that way. And then I coach group classes also for CrossFit and then a bunch of other really fun, super cool opportunities always come up you know, within the fitness world that I get to do, whether it's just with doing photo shoots or being able to represent different fitness companies. And I get to be an ambassador for a lot of different companies within the fitness world. And so there's always fun community events and things going on within that. That's really fun just because it helps get me connected within the fitness community. And you own your own gym also, correct? I started a gym. I was a co-owner and then I was also brought on as a co-owner of an already established gym. I do not currently own any gyms. (laughs) I am affiliated with a few different gyms that I train out of, but I do not currently own any gyms. Did did that have anything to do with COVID or was that separate? No, actually that was before. It was a few months before all of that. So it was time I was just ready to go in a, not in a different direction, just I was just ready for for some new stuff that I had been working on. And Well, it turns out you were ahead of the curve. It looks like that's where everyone's headed is online fitness. So you saw it coming. So Well, let's go back to the very beginning. So I know from a very young age, you were an ultra competitive gymnast, an ultra competitive dancer. Is this correct? Yes. 
so describe that for me. What does ultra competitive mean in, in the gymnast uh, world? I actually never competed in dance, but I did in gymnastics. I always dance. I started before I started gymnastics, both of them. I mean, I, I absolutely loved, but as far as my training for both of those, for a while, I did both of them at the same time. And then I would be picked up from gymnastics and then would be changing in the car so that I could get to dance (laughs) on time and have my proper dance attire on. But as I got older, I was not able to do that anymore. So because I was training three to four hours at gymnastics. However, we would spend a good hour of conditioning at the end of practice and also with dance. So we would do an actual dance class within our gymnastics training, which is really cool. One of my absolute favorite coaches, she had just moved from Russia and was training Tatiana Gutsu. Um, She had done her choreography back in the 92 Olympics. And she had moved to Texas and she was also a professional ballerina when she was growing up. And so she did our dance technique, ballet choreography. She was our floor and beam coach and um, she was amazing and very tough, but amazing coach. And we got to do Russian ballet. So that was. What was her name? I missed her name. Irina Milagrapida. And I understand that training six days a week, four hours a day, eventually burned you out as a young girl. Is this correct? I actually, well, at the gym, so prior to that, I did go through a little bit of burnout. But when I ended up going to this gym, that was kind of out in the middle of the country. It was in this big warehouse, no air conditioning. And a lot of people would actually come to the gym because they heard that there was this great coach from Russia and she was awesome, but she was also very tough, if, especially if she saw potential in you. And it would a lot of times make people, it was just a different approach. <laughs> and so many people would leave in tears and it was not for everybody for sure. But for some reason, when we switched and I went to this gym, that burnout phase of that, you know, I had been going through right before and I wasn't at a complete burn. I just kind of, I mean, it was definitely, I would definitely consider it a little bit of, of that for sure. But it, it kind of brought my, I guess, brought some life back into just why I loved gymnastics and, and why getting excited about going to practice and, and all of that. I felt like I was progressing and that she actually was making me live up to my potential. So I remember the first time I actually placed on an event when at a competition and stuff like that, where I was finally feeling like I was actually progressing and getting somewhere. So that brought my, my love and my passion for gymnastics back. And so I was, I was there for, for quite a while before I switched to rhythmic gymnastics. In my eyes, any child that was on your path to junior Olympics and possibly the Olympics is probably training like you were six days a week, four or five hours a day. What do you tell young people that 
want to pursue elite level gymnastics, but also want to avoid burnout? Well, that is definitely a challenge. If you don't absolutely love it or have goals set and goals in mind, and it also, it has to be your choice because if you're, if you don't feel like you're actually choosing to be there, you have to be there or something other than you actually choosing, having that, that ability to kind of set your own goals, your own pace, as far as how hard you want to work and, and where you want to get to, then that I think is, is a huge, a huge piece to that because um, some people, they don't think you can be very talented, but not also not have that same desire. And that's fine. Totally fine. But to, to want to get to whatever level it is in whatever you're doing, but for sure in gymnastics and especially at that young age, because it is very demanding on time and you don't get a lot of time to do things that, you know, maybe regular kids that are that age are are getting to do. So that is one of those things that I guess at any age, but especially at that age, they have to be able to grasp and understand that goals also come with not being able to do all the fun stuff that (laughs) maybe other kids or their friends are getting to do. So you ended up having a ton of success. You were state champion multiple times, I believe. You were a four-time junior Olympian. But one of the things I found in my research, which you said, is you found that many of the girls had some unhealthy habits, even at a young age, eating disorders and things like that. What do you think that did to you as a young girl witnessing those kind of things? Yeah, it actually, I don't remember it being quite as, as a big of a, of a deal in artistic gymnastics, but definitely when I switched to rhythmic gymnastics, there's, I don't know how it is now because that was a while ago, but I know that they were aware of it because when I was at the Olympic training center, they had us attend nutrition class and, and my coach also at some point she was anorexic and she was very open about it and would talk about it. And I think that was very helpful, especially for, you know, young girls. It definitely helped me just bring awareness to that. Her younger sister had also struggled with it and who was also very open about it while she was still dealing with it. But it was also very hard for me because, you know, when you care about people and, and your friends or anyone that's dealing with something like that might not be super, a super healthy, whatever it is, habit, it's hard, but it's also, I guess, impressionable too, especially at that age, the habits, I guess, the healthy habits that you form throughout your life or the not so healthy habits that's kind of around that time when I just was thankful that my coach was open about it, that, you know, we were required to actually attend nutrition course. Cause that was when I, at the Olympic training center, I also had people that, that I was friends with there that were also dealing with that same thing, which was hard for me. Just, it was just really sad. That was a big, piece to me wanting to pursue health and fitness and nutrition and, and all of those things for sure. Well, I definitely want to highlight the power in 
someone in a position of influence, like your coach is speaking honestly about their struggles, that can absolutely change the trajectory of a young person's life. And I think it's very fortunate that you had someone in the leadership position that was willing to be honest about mm-hmm. what they had been through and help change you. So it appears from reading your bio that you were on an Olympic path. What led you to give up competitive gymnastics before you reached that pinnacle? Was it just kind of a natural progression or did you decide this wasn't for you anymore? That's a good question. I don't remember exactly. I know that I was still competing, still doing, still training through my parents had divorced and there was a lot of stuff going on with all of that. And uh, I, I don't know if it had anything to do with that. It was sometime after, but that stuff was still pretty fresh. And I remember I just wanted to take a break. (laughs) I just wanted to take a break and I wasn't doing anything for a few months. And my mom actually was very concerned (laughs) that I wasn't, and she's like, you need to get in something. I had always been in multiple, my entire life. I had never not done anything. So she contacted the school, my high school And she had me go talk to the counselor about that. I needed to figure out a sport or something that I needed to be part of. So I went in and, and then my coach also wrote me a letter. She was asking me to come back to finish out the season and go continue to compete. Or I think it was through my sophomore year. After I went and talked to the counselor, I decided I was going to try out for cheerleading. This was also something that I had never thought that I would ever do was cheerleading. They had just won nationals the year before and their strength and conditioning coach was former military and they took it very seriously. And when I found that out, I was like, huh, I might be interested in, in doing something like that. And so anyway, I went back, continued to compete. And then I tried out for cheerleading. My uncle in Dallas actually was a former competitive gymnast. And he also played varsity basketball when he was in high school. That's a unique combination. (laughs) And he ended up cheering in college, but he grew up doing gymnastics and he was a really, really good gymnast. So I got to go up there and he coached me. His friend owned a gym and spotted me on tumbling because I it had been a minute since I had tumbled and I was kind of nervous about all of that. And then he had me work on, I was working on a few different Oh, tumbling passes that I hadn't done in a really long time. And especially doing it not on spring floor. And then I ended up making cheerleading. It sounds like you were just ready for a change. Maybe something that was more team oriented, something that was a little bit more fun. Although this sounds incredibly, this isn't your typical varsity cheerleading team. This is competitive, (laughs) but it sounds like you were just ready for something a little bit more relaxed. Okay. But this led to where our lives intersected, correct? Because you came on recommendation from my wife. You danced for the Houston Rockets with my wife, which I'm so glad she did recommend you. And that was a pretty special time in our lives. So I don't want to 
get into the rocket dancing too much, but I do understand it was different for you because at the time you were also a mother, correct? Mm-hmm. And you had your child at a fairly young age, I would say. And mm-hmm. one of the things I think it's important to do is to highlight that people as successful as yourself do have some adversity. And you had a child at an early age, which can be scary. Was this scary for you or did you deal with it pretty well? Um, I, you know, it's funny because I, I don't, when I look back, I don't remember being scared, <laughs> which I feel like would have totally been completely understandable. Well, let me ask you this. Was there ever a time that you thought having a child would cause you to table your dream and take a more conventional path? Um, no, I don't remember ever feeling that way. I'm, I'm so impressed with that. I mean, to me, the word that sticks in my head when I hear that is brave. I tell my girls to be kind and be brave every morning and that's brave. And the reason I say that is because even without a child in the mix, being atypical, being an entrepreneur, being distinctive or being yourself is not the easy route. I think a lot of times people think being yourself is the easy route, but in reality, you have to work at it. And sometimes it's the more painful route. It's the more difficult route. It's much easier to be normal or to be safe or to be predictable. But I find it incredibly admirable that you kept pursuing your passions. You kept dancing. You kept pursuing entrepreneurial ventures instead of being normal and safe. Why do you think you reacted so differently than most people would have in that situation? Most people probably would have grabbed onto that job with insurance and stable income. What's different about you? Gosh, I don't know. (laughs) Is it innate? I, I don't know. It was never like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I am and have always been, I guess, pretty sure of myself and the path that I feel like I'm, I don't want to say supposed to be on, but, (laughs) but as far as, I guess, making decisions and figuring out what I'm supposed to be doing or, or what I feel where I feel like I am or should be going or moving the direction I should be moving in. I don't know what the exact word is, but I've never necessarily, nothing stands out in my mind where I was questioning of where I should go next, if that makes sense. I'm just curious because my nature has always been to take a predictable path. I think this is the first time that maybe I haven't, and I put myself in a very good position before I did it. But I've been someone that would say, hey, I can see the mountain ahead of me. I can plan out how to climb it and I can go climb that son of a bitch. And it takes a lot of bravery to go, no, I'm not going to take that typical path. I don't really know where this mountain is, but I know I'm eventually going to find it and I'm Mm going to go find it. And I'm just impressed with that. I'm curious on where that comes from. It sounds like maybe it's just a bit innate because I think I'm probably in the majority the majority who says, I'm going to go take that job that's consistent and maybe even be a bit complacent. But 
it's too scary for me to go out there. And we talk a lot on this platform about having the confidence and the courage to take that first step, that leap. Someone once told me it's called a leap of faith, not a step of faith, Clay. You got to leap and you got to figure out how to grow wings on the way down. So I was just curious on, especially having a kid young and young in life to say, no, I'm going to stay on the path chasing my dreams. I don't know where they are exactly yet, but I'm going to find them. And I'm going to go for it. I'm like I said, I think it's incredibly admirable. Thank you. (laughs) Let's get into fitness and explore your fascination, your commitment, your passion for fitness, because this is something I'm passionate about too. Where does the fascination come from? Where does the commitment come from? And specifically the commitment of with being strong, you're not just someone who is into fitness. You are passionate about powerlifting. You're passionate about weightlifting. I'd say you're passionate about pushing your mind and body to its limits. Probably. Where does all that come from? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that my entire life, we were always very active. Even when I wasn't at the gym, we were always outdoors doing something. I do know that when I got older into high school and I was thinking about, well, and that was also the time that I was introduced to the, to the actual gym by my, my cheer coach. And also my high school boyfriend had his dad and him were power lifters. And he was also, I think he was a junior Olympic champion for shot put and discus. And then played football and all of that kind of stuff. But you just immediately were drawn to that, to powerlifting and getting in the weight room and lifting heavy objects. Cause that's fairly rare. Or was that not rare in your high school? Well, so our cheer coach, he, that was part of our, what we would do at practice. And it was the first time I had been introduced to free weights and all of that. And then when I started dating my boyfriend him and his dad, he and his dad introduced me to actual how to lift weights at the gym along with my cheer coach. And so I really enjoyed that as far as the fact that I was getting stronger, I could feel that I was getting stronger. I really liked the fact that I was strong from a young age. I remember my dad was always talking about how he, it, it was something that he was very proud of me for. <laughs> um, that may but, be it. That may be it right there. There's something about your dad being proud of you. I have that same thing. And so, but it felt very empowering. Like I was not something to be ashamed of, even though it wasn't a normal thing. Like I had veins in my arms when I was in elementary. And I remember kids asking me why, why can they see my veins or why my hands always had calluses on them. And so rather than feeling embarrassed or feeling like that was not something normal necessarily for a girl, it was actually really empowering. And I, I liked the fact that I was, I was stronger than many of the boys in that in our presidential fitness Tess, I don't know if you had I those. remember the blue and the red patch. The red was you didn't want. You wanted the blue one, I remember. <laughs> when we got to do the push-ups and pull-ups, I set the entire school record for both of those out of all the boys and the girls. 
I don't know if they still hold, but <laughs> for a while. But so that fascination, I guess, with being strong, but then the the empowerment that that gave me from a young age of just feeling able and that just just because I'm a girl does not mean that I can't do certain things or that in, in many ways, like there are only limits if we put them on ourselves. And in a small way, that was kind of something that I, I learned. I it sounds like you enjoyed and you, you gained confidence from it. And I'm hearing a reoccurring theme just in our last couple of questions is that you seem to have from a very young age, this bravery about you that you didn't mind being rare. You didn't mind being different. And those things actually built confidence in you. And I'm sure there were people in your life, like your father and your boyfriend, that were empowering you by giving you compliments and telling you that this was amazing. But it also sounds like you just have this innate sense in you that you aren't scared to chase entrepreneurial endeavors, even when things are stacked against you. You aren't scared to be more masculine or take on more masculine tasks. My next question is about competing. You don't just like fitness. You like to test yourself against others. You've been a multi-time Fitness America champion. You competed in American Ninja Warrior, which I want to hear about that experience. CrossFit <laughs> champion, weightlifting champion. What is it about competition and testing yourself against others? It sounds like maybe you just like to win when you were beating the boys in elementary school. But. <laughs> that was that was a great part for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um after I had graduated from high school, you know, started started in college and doing cert- certain stuff I I was not doing I remember thinking and almost having a bit of I worried about how I was going to stay in shape after <laughs> and especially as I continued to get older. And so I continued going to the gym that was a part of my daily routine. But then I just remember I wanted something to be, be training for and not just kind of going to the gym and uh, not actually, you know, working towards anything specific. And so I think that was just, just more or less to keep myself focused and also looking forward to something that, I'm not just, you know, kind of endlessly just going to the gym and going through the motions that I was actually progressing towards something. No, I feel that for sure. This is going to show my vanity, but I always work out harder when I'm going to the lake in a couple of weeks. Like it's like, all right, I have two weeks and I'm going to the lake. Diet is going to be in check. I'm going to be working out hard. I'm a bit scared to ask this question, but you're the state champion or the record holder for the bench press in California for your weight class. What is that bench press? And don't embarrass me. Uh, It's actually not as much as, so I competed at the 105, I was 105 pounds division and um, it was 141, which is not my all-time max, but that's definitely my competition max. And it, it set the record for, for that weight class. I think that's impressive. And I won't even ask you what your all-time max is, because I'm sure it's better than mine, but tell us, tell us about the American Ninja Warrior. I tried to find video. I couldn't find it. What was that experience like? Did you do well? I don't, I don't have any clue how it went. 
Oh my goodness. I was so excited to be part of that. It was interesting. It was on my 30th birthday and it was in Venice beach in California and they do the filming through the night. I went at, I want to say maybe around one or two in the morning. Oh, wow. Okay. And since it's television, of course, too, there's a lot of stuff that you're just, you're kind of on call and then. I'm sorry to interrupt, but did you just go get in line or were, did you sign up and like send in a video? How did, how did you even yeah, participate? They, they had contacted me and asked if I would be interested in being part of it. And I said, yes. And so, and so from there, I had to go through the audition process. So I did an audition video and then did a bunch of over the phone interviews and different things like that. And then eventually I made it onto the actual filming of it. And then from there, you wait in line, you have a number and then when it How did you do? How did you do? <laughs> did you get through it? I made it through the very first. There were, I think, six pods. You have to jump across and uh, and then up a ramp. And <laughs> I fell on the ramp. <laughs> I made it. I made it across all the pods. And on the very last one, you have to jump to a ramp to pull yourself up. And I was in the water before I even realized it. And, uh, and and that was it. (laughs) Well, at least you got to try. So let's back up a little bit. So at 27 years old, you left Texas and moved to California. What led to that decision and why California? So I was previously married. I had been married for seven years. And then the person I was married to moved to California and so he had been there for, for a little bit. We got back in contact and uh, decided that we were going to try and work it out. So I left. So you guys had split and he moved to California. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's how I initially moved to California was, uh, or how I ended up in California. My daughter's dad was here And when he left originally, I did not try to make him stay. And so that was always something that I felt, I don't know. I just, I never, I never like actually, I just kind of was, you know, did not try to make him stay or anything. And um, so when he had tried reaching out, that was a part of my decision making was the fact that, well, I never tried. And so I feel like we should definitely try to see if we want to make this work. And uh, it didn't work out, but Riley and I stayed in California and he ended up moving back to Texas. Riley being your daughter. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you move out there and eventually it's just you and your daughter and the Mm -hmm. circumstances were not perfect. But again, I don't, think any of us know what to do in those moments. You said you didn't, you didn't know what to do. We're looking back again, someone like yourself, you're, you're incredibly successful. I think it's another time where we highlight to others that paths to success do not always look like you think they do. 
And they're not always linear, any, even for people like you who are so successful, they zigzag, they go back and forth. And sometimes they go the complete opposite direction you want them to go. And that's something we've talked about a lot of times. I think it's powerful. I think it's inspiring to hear people that are powerful like yourself tell people that. It's similar to your coach who talked about their eating disorders when you were young. Look, if you're in that position, there's people like you, there's people like me that had really zigzag paths to get where we are. And they're still zigzagging in my case. I don't, maybe in your case too, but anyways, not to linger on that. But so when you got out to California, then it's you and your daughter. Do you immediately look to start a gym? How did you get going in California? Well, I started coaching gymnastics, actually. That was the first thing. And I started immediately training at a CrossFit, which is where I I ended up getting my level one um, for CrossFit to coach CrossFit. And then I started coaching CrossFit and then I was still coaching gymnastics. I was coaching at a mobile gym and also, well, I initially started at not a mobile gym. It was an established academy, gymnastics academy, and then ended up coaching at this mobile gym, which was very similar to the mobile gym business that I had started in Texas. And so I was coaching CrossFit and also gymnastics. I was also working for, I was doing the, it was the styling for a women's clothing line for an apparel company. And so it was picking out the styles, colors, and uh, the designs that were already made to go on all of the different styles and stuff like that, which was really fun. (laughs) And eventually was invited on to begin coaching for CrossFit gymnastics and traveling and, and doing that kind of thing. And at this point, did you have a support system other than the gym in California? Did you have family? Did you have friends at this point? Or is just you and your daughter kind of figuring it out and, and being uh, brave again? I ha- I had a little bit. I mean, when I first moved there, I didn't know anybody aside from Riley's dad, my, my daughter's dad. And then I had actually done a photo shoot when I started CrossFit in Texas. My coach who was the owner of the CrossFit in Texas where I'd started, she was contacted by an apparel, a fitness apparel company that was started within the CrossFit community. And they had reached out and asked if I could do a a photo shoot. So I ended up doing a photo shoot for this apparel company long before I had moved to California or anything like that. And I was told that if I did this photo shoot, I would get a year's worth of apparel. <laughs> and that was my, my form of payment. <laughs> and so they were actually based in Hawaii when I was in Texas. And then we ended up somehow around the same time, I think it was even in the same year or so, the apparel company ended up moving to California And then my daughter and I had moved to California, but nobody else, I did not know anybody else. And so that was kind of my, I guess that was the, 
the gym that I had actually started coaching CrossFit at. How, how was that for you? Not knowing anyone after being surrounded by family for 27 uh, years. It was interesting. It was, uh, it was exciting. It was, I feel like it should have been scary, but I don't remember ever being scared, which is, I don't know. <laughs> you, it sounds like it's you, which is you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't remember being scared. I, it's definitely when I look back, I'm, it was an interesting time for sure. And that was definitely, and it was a great time. It was, I grew so much as a person and it was just a lot of, it was an interesting time because it was also, it was tough in, in some capacity. Like I could say, Oh, it was very, it was a very challenging time, but I would say it was more exciting. It was definitely a fun time of growth. Very challenging for sure. I was challenged in many different ways, but I am very grateful for, for all of that because I learned so much. I grew so much as in pretty much every part of my life, just for the fact that I think too, that I didn't have, you know, friends there that I had known my entire life and I didn't have family there, that kind of thing. So it was definitely a very exciting, very challenging, full of growth, but amazing experience. Well, I don't, I don't know any other way to grow other than being challenged, I, I would argue. So physically, mentally, the only way to grow is to kind of be, it's going to be to struggle. It's going to be to challenge yourself, but let's jump into CrossFit a bit. I have to admit, I've never stepped foot in a CrossFit gym. I've admired it from afar. Where does that obsession start? What drew you to CrossFit? Dig into that a little bit. Well, a friend of mine had asked me if I knew what CrossFit was, and this was back in maybe 2000 seven or eight. And I had never heard of it. And then my cousin started talking to me about it. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. He's like, I, I just heard about this. I thought of you. And I thought that you might, it might be something that's like right up your alley and and you need to maybe go check it out. And so I went and did an intro session and the gym owner was a lady. She's also, a she has an only child and she was just very inspiring to me from the moment that I met her. And she was in very, very good shape, of course, and which was inspiring. And she was just a great, awesome lady. So anyway, did this intro session and did one workout. It was like less than 10 minutes long. (laughs) And I signed up for a membership right then. And (laughs) it's like, so anyway, started training CrossFit and I remember it was the hardest form of fitness, strength and conditioning I had ever done in my entire life besides when I was in gymnastics, but even still it kind of almost took that to another (laughs) level. But I remember after even just a few weeks, I remember feeling stronger than I had felt in years. And I was also not just physically stronger. That is a great feeling, of course, but mentally and emotionally, I was feeling just stronger than I had ever felt. 
it's interesting the thoughts that you have in the middle of workouts. Workouts are, are an interesting, especially CrossFit, the thoughts or the things that you say to yourself during those moments when you're going through other things throughout your life. Those are the same things that maybe you might, as far as where we allow our thoughts to go and the way that we speak to ourselves. And I, I guess more so than any other thing in my entire life that brought a lot of awareness around that. And, uh, which was really interesting and around how you talk to yourself. Yes. And when (laughs) just stuff like, why am I doing this? Why, why, (laughs) like, I don't know, just, you know, I don't want to go any, any harder or, or gosh, this sucks or stuff that, I don't know, just the awareness of, of all of those, those thoughts, things that, and as cheesy as it sounds, beginning to kind of be my own cheerleader in those moments of (laughs) you can do this. This is, this is okay. You are okay. Figuring out ways to stay calm in those moments of where, you know, the workout is getting very tough and it could be depending on if it's, you know, a very long workout, or I prefer shorter sprints over (laughs) longer endurance type workouts, but all of those things that I don't know if I had ever experienced in that way. And so it definitely challenged me mentally, emotionally, as well as physically. And so I felt like I was growing as a person more than I had in any other physical challenge till that point in my life. And I was noticing in other areas of my life and how I was applying the stuff that I was learning about myself. And also as simple and as cheesy as it sounds during those hard workouts, feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can actually do this, or I don't know if I can actually finish this workout. And then getting done with the workout and looking back on that workout and acknowledging how hard it was and the fact that I was able to make it through that workout, it was really empowering and it was exciting. And it also gave me a lot of courage and I think confidence in other areas of my life. When hard things, I was going through a harder time in my life during that time, which was I remember being able to apply a lot of what I was learning about myself and life in general and using that throughout the rest of my life. I'll say this. I don't think it's cheesy in the, in the least, (laughs) or maybe I like cheesy, but the fact that you can take lessons from sport, from athletics, from fitness and apply them to other areas of life, I think is universal. And it's one of the reasons I love fitness. You know, I've had marathoners say the same thing is that the thing they love about them is it's a microcosm for life. And it's not an athletic lesson. It's a life lesson. But one of the other things that I am very passionate about is community. I do a lot of research on community. I've read a lot about community. It's really as necessary to humans, to human existence as shelter, as food is. And what I've heard about CrossFit is the community is as big of a draw as the workout that you just described so eloquently. And a community specifically built around struggle 
creates a very deep evolutionary connection. Is this something that you feel in the CrossFit community? Yes, for sure. And especially during that time when I very first started, that was a very powerful and very something I'm very grateful that I found (laughs) that I had. There was this mutual, I think, respect for one another also, no matter what level, you know, everybody was at, everybody was there kind of in it together. And then everybody stuck around and, you know, and supported one another until everybody finished their workout. And that was super powerful for sure. And something that you don't experience that just going to a regular gym for sure. (laughs) What I tell people is I have all these friends at my gym that are family, but I don't know their names. I've never said anything to them other than, are you done with that bench? And (laughs) we always have our headphones in, but we, but there's still the family feel, but it's nothing like what you're describing in a CrossFit gym, which is something that I'm addicted to. And I may have to check it out. I'm mindful of your time. I still have some things I want to get to. So let me know, but I want to get into how one turns from a gym owner who's passionate about fitness to, I'm going to use the word a fitness influencer who tens of thousands of people now follow your story on a daily basis. How does this happen? Is this organic and it's just slow growth or is there one moment where there was this just launch? How did this happen? That is a good question. I don't know. I um, have for the past, I'm trying to think maybe nine, 10 years. I'm not sure how long Instagram's been around, but almost for as long as it has been or existed. I just posted on really random, just stuff within my life. And I don't know, it's just kind of it just grew over the past nine or 10 years. And I definitely threw all of the different coaching opportunities and owning a gym, owning another gym, competing and just being in the fitness community, CrossFit world, fitness world, and getting to travel and coach at different gyms. And I don't know if there was ever like a moment where there was it just, I guess, steadily grew over time. It is still really neat to be able to stay connected with people that I coached nine years ago (laughs) across the world or, you know, wherever it was. And the fact there's still connection to, to all of these people that whether I have known them my entire life, or I got to coach them at a seminar you know, so many years ago, or I, you know, maybe they were members at, you know, one of the gyms that I owned or that I was part of. Let me, let me ask you this. One of the things that some advisors are sharing with me with this pursuit is you have to share more. People want to know about you, tell them about your fitness journey, tell them about your business journey. And that's incredibly uncomfortable for me. Was it always easy for you to share? Are there still moments when you get some, I don't know, post insecurity? I think everybody experiences that to some extent, but you kind of, it's like with anything that you do in life, 
you kind of can't let that stop you. From- you got to be brave like Nicole. I got gotcha. you. I'm gonna. That's what I'm going to start telling myself. Be brave like Nicole. Well, let's get into what I'd like to do is talk about body positivity with you because this was brought to my attention by my wife. I didn't know about this, but with influence and notoriety comes judgment, comes people that are assholes. And I find this hard to believe for those of you listening, Nicole was the cover model for the Houston Rockets, but you've had some people be critical of your appearance. And what I love about you is you took the opportunity to not only stand up for yourself, but to stand up for others and to promote body positivity. What was that experience like? It comes down to, and especially for anybody that is wanting to be in the social media world and kind of putting themselves out there, emotional mental health is very, very important first, because no matter what anybody else says about your appearance or who you are or whatever, the relationship that you have with yourself is the most important one because when you are putting yourself out there, you are being vulnerable in that way. But the thoughts and how you feel about yourself and the relationship that you have with yourself supersedes all of those things. And so if you are grounded within who you are, then just that fact alone supersedes the physical. So your relationship with who you are, that is much more important than, of course, the physical. Um, well, I think it goes back to where you talked about drawing strength from your fitness is that you almost talked more about your strength inside, the strength that is building mentally for you. The strength that is building for your spirit is probably more so than your physical strength. But I I mean, just for you to know, when I was preparing, my wife brought that to my attention and said, this is my favorite post from Nicole for her to stand up for not only yourself, but for others. And I think another thing, one of the things I tell my daughters is to remember that there's always more good out there. It's easy. I think it's human nature for us to focus on the negativity, but it's such a small percentage of what's out there. And and not just on social media, if it's something in the news, there's so much more positivity. There's so many more people that believe you're beautiful, that love what you're doing and that's going on in the world. And I try to keep that in mind. One of the things that I enjoy doing is it is reading annual letters from great CEOs. And a couple of years ago, Jeff Bezos from Amazon released a letter that described the importance of being realistic about scope and being realistic about how difficult things are. Meaning if something, if you expect something to take six months, that really takes six years, that's a recipe for frustration. And in the end, it's a recipe for failure. And one of the ideas you speak about a lot, or at least from what I've seen, is the importance of slow progression, consistent effort, and delayed gratification. Talk about why that's so important with what you do as a coach. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff. And it is, well, maybe not so much now, but you still hear it. People wanting to get fit. And the quickest way to, or not, maybe not fit, but they want to lose weight, or they want to be able to wear a certain size clothing or whatever it may be, but they want to get there as quickly as possible. And fitness and and health in general is a lifestyle and 
it should be looked at as a, a lifestyle and it is long term. It's not something that necessarily definitely does not happen overnight. And so making sure that it's a building consistency within day to day, just implementing healthy daily habits that are over time add up to big results. It's those little tiny things that are done well and consistently on a daily basis that add up over time. Building on small daily habits and setting up really good foundation is key to living a long, healthy, happy, strong life for sure. And being realistic about it, that like you said, they're going to be small incremental changes and you're never going to see much of a change, but you're going to look back in a year, two years, three years, and it's going to be game changing. I think that was what's so great about Jeff Bezos's point is if you start out thinking about the result, if you start out putting an unrealistic scope on how difficult it's going to be, it's a recipe for failure. And I think something that goes hand in hand, which I know is something you talk about, is getting excited about the process, I think is the way you phrased it. That's a fairly ubiquitous concept. It's fairly universal. A lot of people talk about getting excited about the process. However, it's extremely difficult to implement in real time. What is your advice to your clients, to your friends, to your families about getting excited about the process? So being excited about the process is awesome, but not relying on that. Love that. Love that. Motivation is awesome. Being excited about something is really awesome, but staying focused on what you have to do each day to get to where you want to be. Of course, long-term goal, really, really important long-term goals, important, but setting shorter term goals are very helpful with maintaining that excitement level and seeing progress within maybe something that you're working towards that's many, many years down the road or much longer term that sometimes, you know, daily discipline, if that motivation has not been there for a while, can feel very daunting and sometimes get discouraging. So setting those short-term goals, very, very important to maintaining some level of excitement and freshness and newness in that, but also trusting the process and knowing that showing up for yourself, the daily consistency, whether you're excited or not, just getting it done. Yeah. Motivation doesn't always show up. (laughs) Discipline and consistency show up every single day to the gym, to the workplace, to parenting. Motivation does not. I love that. Well, this will be last question for you. So you've accomplished a ton in your life. Do you feel successful at this point? Do you feel like, you know, where do you want this to go? What are your goals? Where do you want to take this? Gosh, I feel like I'm just getting started. (laughs) Good answer. I have, yeah, I, I have, I have things that I've been working on some, some projects and things, but definitely a lot of, a lot more that I want to do. (laughs) Well, I'll say this is, I know, I think from your website, it says something to the fact that your main goal is to empower others to live their best life. And it says, I'm paraphrasing, but 
you do that in the gym, but another way you can do that is by telling your story honestly and being vulnerable like you've done here today. So I thank you for sharing your story. It's certainly empowering a word you've used. It's inspiring. And uh, I appreciate you coming here and just being honest. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be part of this. So thank you.